number two. Names of Jesus, been a blessing to my heart, hope it has to yours. We're in the letter G. Tonight, Jesus Christ, the governor. The governor, not of a state, of all creation. He governs. He's the administrative ruler of all that he created. Not realized yet, he's allowing man his day. Allowing man some liberty. Allowing man an opportunity to prove he can't do it himself. But one day, one day, we'll see. The Bible says in Matthew 2, verse number 1, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. All wise men come to worship him. Fool, the fool won't come, but the wise, the wise will come and worship Jesus. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Why would you be troubled at the coming of a great king who's worthy of worship? Unless, unless that was going to interfere with your little kingdom. I, I'm, I'm glad that, that the throne rights of my life have been go, given over to Jesus Christ. He wants to rule my life. That's, that's not a troubling matter. That's a blessed matter. The Bible says, And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. See the, see the capital G there? He's the governor. That quotation is taken from the book of Micah. But it, it, the, the report that reached these wise men in their faraway land was not entirely accurate. What they received was truth, and they received it as being truth. But they didn't get all the truth. Let's go back to Micah chapter number 5. Keep the place in Matthew so we can compare them. Micah chapter number 5. Here's, here's the word that had reached them in that faraway land. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah. Now look at Micah chapter 5 and verse number 2. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah. So what'd they get? They got the town right. They got the district right. They knew what part of the world to, to which to travel. They traveled to Judah. When they got to Judah, they wanted to know about that babe that was born in Bethlehem. All of that they understood from the prophet. Then, then the Matthew uh, quotation, that, that what, they, what they had said, For out of thee shall come a governor. Micah 5, 2, Yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel. And they got that. Out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then they put a period right there. But Micah 5, verse 2 says, Whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. That baby that was born in the manger did not have his birthday that night in Bethlehem's manger. In fact, he had no birthday. He was the everlasting God. 
He had, he had lived forever. Before there were days, this, this God was alive. Before there were hours and months and weeks and years, before there was any sun rising or sun setting, this one was the ruler. Now he made, he made the earth. Genesis 1. He put man upon the earth. Genesis 1. He gave man, he, the ruler, gave man rule over the earth. He appointed man to reign in his stead upon the earth. And he has not taken that back from man, though man has failed miserably in his administration of that government. But the one who allowed Adam to govern on this earth is the governor. And he can take control of his dominions any time he sees fit to do so. Now, think of it in these terms. Jesus did not start out a lowly babe in a manger and work his way up until he almost got control of Israel. And then in the prime of life, he was cut down and his disciples were so disappointed. We thought he was the one that was going to establish the kingdom upon earth. And then uh, some believe and some don't believe that maybe he's going to come back and make a second run at this thing. And maybe next time he'll be successful. All of that is a gross misunderstanding. Jesus started out on top. He left the throne to come to the manger. He left the place of absolute power to become the meek and lowly suffering servant who would die for the sins of the whole world. The first coming of Jesus Christ to this earth was not a failed attempt to establish government. It was the governor appearing to die for the sins of the governed. He will come again the second time, not to take the government from man, but to take possession of the government that has been his from creation. He is, capital G, the governor. He is, according to Micah chapter 5 and verse number 2, from old, from everlasting. Praise the Lord. So that's our governor. Now, look at Psalm number 22. Let's go over the 22nd chapter of Psalms. Psalm number 22. And verse 27. Notice our context. Psalm 22 verse 1. See if you recognize these words. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This points us to Jesus Christ as he dies upon the cross. Verse number 6, But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men, and despised of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip, they shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him de deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. This is, this is the mocking crowd at the foot of the cross. The Bible says in verse number 13, they gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and roaring and a roaring lion. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. There's the sword piercing his side and blood and water running out as Jesus died of, of the broken heart. Now, verse number 22. 
I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Verse 25, my praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. I will pray my vows before them that, that fear him. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord. And all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee. For the kingdom is the Lord's. And he is the governor among the nations. Look at that man. Hanging naked upon that cross, his face torn and battered, his head crowned with thorns, his back ripped to shreds, the nails in his hands and feet, the blood flowing down to, to pay for the sins of mankind. Who would look at that scene and suspect that that man would govern the nations of this earth? Who would look on that scene and ever believe that he would rule from sea to shining sea, from pole to pole, from continent to continent, that he would establish his government in this earth? None would believe it, but today millions believe it. Because three days and three nights later, that one who had not been killed, but that one who had laid down his life, exercised his power to take it up again. He did not come the first time to establish himself as king. He was king. He did not come the first time to establish his kingdom. He came the first time to die to pay for the sins of the world. When he rose from the dead, he said, All power in heaven and on earth is given unto me. He had the power right then and there to take over the world. But he died to purchase unto himself a bride. He died to gather unto himself a people for his name. He ascended back to heaven. He sat down the right hand of God the Father. And from that day to this, the gospel has gone forth to the ends of the world. And this man's been saved. And that woman's been saved. And this boy's been saved. And that girl's been saved. And they've been added to his body, the church, one by one, until millions and millions and millions of people have been, well, Psalm 22, verse 30, a seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. He now has offspring. He now has a family. He now has millions of people who are born of his incorruptible seed and have eternal life and call God their father and he calls them his children. That's why he died upon the cross. But all that time he's been sitting knowing, 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 knowing that just as soon as the father said, the church is complete and catches us away and out of this world. He will put in motion the fulfillment of all of those promises. He will return to this earth. He will sit upon a throne at Jerusalem. He will rule and reign as King of kings and Lord of lords forever. For that is His right, whether it's over this one planet or over 500 planets or who knows what's out there. We don't wonder who is the governor? We know who is the governor. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Look what your Bible says in Isaiah chapter number 9. 
Isaiah chapter number 9. We'll lay all this groundwork and then I'll say some things to you about current events of yesterday and today and tomorrow. Isaiah chapter number 9 and verse number 6. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now, who is that? We know that's Jesus Christ. Where is the government? It's on his shoulder. It's right there. It's his. It rests upon his power, his might. It's his. Verse, verse number 7. Of the increase of his government and peace... There shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Is there a God in heaven? You believe that? You believe, you believe there's a true and living God? He will do this. He will establish the government of the entire race of of man upon his shoulder, and once he takes that thing upon his shoulder, his government will never end. That's what it says. Now, if you like Kennedy or don't like Kennedy, it's coming to an end. If you like Johnson, Nixon, Carter, Reagan, or don't like them, it's coming to an end. If you like Castro or don't like Castro. If you like Stalin or don't like Stalin. If you're for Hitler or against Hitler. If Attila the Hun is your man. If Genghis Khan is your man. If you're for them or against them. Here's, here's the news I've got for you tonight. It's not going to last. Your favorite president, your favorite dictator, your favorite king is one day going to take off their crown and place it at the feet of Jesus Christ. They are one day going to bow both their knees and put their face in the dust and confess that He is King of kings and Lord of lords. So we worship no man. We fear no man. We trouble ourselves over no man. We get overly excited over no man. Jesus is our only hope. And He's the only hope we need. He's going to put that government on his shoulder, and once he takes it, he will never relinquish it. He will never be overthrown. He will never be voted out of office. He will never be the victim of a, of a coup or an uprising. He will reign forever. Every king that ever sat upon a throne, every dictator that ever ruled, ever ruled in a palace, every president that ever propped his feet up on a desk in the Oval Office knew, no matter what the polls say, no matter what the public opinion says, no matter how strong my army might be, no matter well, how well protected I might be, no matter how carefully I guard my diet, death is going to sneak in from some direction or another and get me just like it got my father. But Jesus, he snuck in and got death. See, death defeats every monarch, but this monarch defeated death. It's already done. It's already done. He's already victorious over that. Now, come to Luke chapter number 1. Luke chapter 1. As you're turning there, Luke chapter number 1. 
Think with me about the prayer that is called the Lord's Prayer. It's really the disciples' prayer. Lord's, Lord's prayed many prayers, but the prayer that He taught His disciples to pray, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name, Thy kingdom come. Now wait, in earth as it is in heaven. Now if you think about that, what's He telling you? He's already king. You're not praying for Him to become the king. Your prayer is not, Oh Lord, please become the ruler because all these rulers down here are awful and we don't stand a chance. No, Thy kingdom come as it is in heaven. See, He is the governor. He is the king. We just want Him to relocate the center of operations and establish His government upon the earth. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Right now, He's the governor. And then, how does that prayer end? That's the 10th verse. How does that prayer end in the 13th verse? For Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, David, best king Israel ever had, according to Scripture, was David. And men could have wished that his kingdom would last forever, but they knew that it wouldn't. See? You might, Solomon might have been your guy, unless you were wife number 272 or concubine number 691. The only people really excited about Solomon's kingdom were the greeting card companies and the florists. Because with three or four anniversaries and, and birthdays every single day, he kept, them, he kept them pretty much in business. But anyway, if Solomon's your man, you, you could not have anticipated that he would have lived forever upon that throne at Jerusalem. But Jesus Christ, see, he already went into the doors of death. He came out those same doors three days and three nights later. He said, I am he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and of hell. So it's not a question of how long will he reign once he reigns. It's just a question of when will he start his earthly reign. Once it starts, it cannot end because death cannot touch him. He's already conquered it. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. It was that way before he came, Micah 5, 2. His goings forth from everlasting. And once he sits upon that throne, it'll be for, for, for everlasting. Now, the Bible says in Luke chapter number 1, Luke 1, verse number 30, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. How about that? Now that throne, now we, we, don't, we don't have a, a picture of the throne, but we know what a throne is. Let me just let me just say, and I'm, I'm trying to think of a way to say this and it, it not sound rude or inappropriate. But that throne is a one seater. It's not a bench. It's a throne. 
It's not a couch. It's a throne. It's not a round table. It's a throne. That means that there's not this big wide throne where Buddha and Muhammad and the popes and the rabbis and the pastors coexist. There's one monarch on that throne. Just one. And his name is Jesus. And you can say, well, I, I believe in many different religions. You can believe in whatever you want to believe in. But he's the governor. Why just think? As a, well, you can think whatever you want to think. You're, free, you're perfectly free and entitled to think whatever you want to think. But the Word of God declares that Jesus Christ would be born at Bethlehem, and he was. It tells when he would be born, that's exactly when he was born. It tells who would be there, they were there. It tells what they would say, they said it. It tells who would come two years later when he was a child and visit the house, and they came. It tells what gifts they would give him, and they gave those gifts. It tells what the government at that time would do to the other children in the city, and they did it. This book's been right every time. You say, I don't believe that book. Well, it's the only accurate book there is on the face of the earth. It told, it told in a dozen particular details the birth of Jesus Christ 700 years ahead of time and got them all exactly right. And you doubt that book and believe the Drudge Report? You doubt that book and believe Huffing and Puffington Toast? Come on. You believe the Orlando Sentinel and you don't believe that book. You believe the nightly news and you don't believe that book. Come on now. 700 years, 500 years, 600 years before it happened. God had a prophet say, Bethlehem, Ephrata, shepherds by night, Angels singing, wise men coming, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, Herod killing the babies, Rachel weeping for her children, the virgin mother and her and, her, and the foster father fleeing to Egypt to escape. They got every, every bit of that right on the nose. And you're doubting this book and believing something somebody sent you in an email. You just could, could you just, when you get home, leave the TV off for 30 minutes and think about that for a second? That you believe a weatherman who last week you were complaining about how he didn't know what he was talking about. And you won't believe a book that foretold the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ... Thousands of years before it happened and got it all exactly right. It told of the thorns. It told of the spear. It told of the nails. It told of the gambling for the clothes. It told who would stand at the cross and what they would say. It told of the words he would say upon the cross. It told of what they would offer him to drink. It told of who they who would bury him and where they would bury him. Who would be crucified on either side of him. The very exact day on the calendar it would happen. It got it all right. And you believe stuff you see on Facebook. And you won't believe the Bible. How about a little intellectual honesty? Why don't you just say to yourself, why do I have such a prejudice 
against the one book that nobody can disprove. And I'm so willing to believe everything else that I know for my own self has been wrong again and again and again and again. Well, I believe in science. You don't believe in the science books you used when you were in school. Well, I believe in the ones they put out now. Well, you won't believe in them three years from now. Record low temperatures all over the country. No hurricanes. Well, four years ago, you know, we were all supposed to commit suicide because Al Gore told us hurricanes were going to drown us and the heat was going to boil our brains out in the middle of December. And guess what? Say, was he wrong? No, he wasn't wrong. He's getting rich. (laughs) He didn't care he's right or wrong. But people believed him. And when he changes it from global warming to climate change, the same people believe him. First, first they'll take... Now, look, this isn't politics. I'm just trying to help you here. First, they'll take $100 million of your money to protect birds. Then they'll take $100 million of your money to put up windmills. And then they'll spend $100 million of your money figuring out how to keep the birds from killing themselves in the windmills. That's man. And people just go right on trusting them and thinking they're the hope. The hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness foretold in the pages of this Holy Bible. He's the governor. When he sits on his throne, it'll be right. It won't be right until then. And once he makes it right, it'll be right till the end of time. Amen. So you've got to be careful. People run around, you know, in 1976, and they say, Well, it's Nixon, man. This, it can't get any worse than this. Careful. Careful. <laughs> well, he lied about he lied about six guys breaking into an office and stealing some folders out of a file cabinet. Anybody like to have that back? <laughs> Well, well, I'm not for him or against him. I'm just saying, if that's the worst thing the leader of a nation ever did, I'll vote for him twice. After I'm dead. Who are you going to turn to to fix this mess? Come on, who's your hope? Who's going to stop the molestation of children? Who's going to stop the assaults upon women? Who's going to stop the home invasions? Who's going to stop the murder? Who's going to stop the, the, the abuse? And the... Come on, you tell me. Who's your candidate? Mine's Jesus Christ. You've got to have enough power to do it. You've got to have enough righteousness to do it. He's the only one I know. Government will be upon his shoulder. And when he sets up his kingdom, it will be forever and forever. Now, let's come to Daniel chapter number 2. Christian, Christian, brother, sister, you believe in God, you believe Jesus, you believe He's coming again, but in the meantime, some of you are so freaked out, you can't even hardly eat a decent meal without your stomach getting upset. I want to, I'm just going to read you the future here, okay? Now, did, did the Bible get that birth thing right? The Bible get that crucifixion thing right? The Bible get that resurrection thing right? Okay, then do you think maybe it's got the government thing right? 
So I didn't get a, a firmer response on that. All right, now this is Daniel 2. Old, old Nebuchadnezzar, he had a dream. He couldn't interpret the dream. His wise men couldn't help him. Magicians couldn't help him. Harry Potter couldn't help him. Ga- Gandalf couldn't help him. Uh, none of them could help him. So he called in somebody that knew the Lord. He didn't need a magic wand or a flying broom or a, or a, you know, a, a stick or incantations or anything else. He just prayed and said, God, what's the, what's the truth of the matter? And God told him. So I don't need any of that stuff. I've got the Bible. Well, you know, you, you believe in supernatural powers? Well, yeah, but if I had them, I'd still have to read the Bible to find out what the truth was. But if you had supernatural powers, how do you know you wouldn't corrupt them? Have you corrupted anything else you got your hands on? <laughs> what if you got your hands on something that could make you rich? Could you, could you be trusted with it? Just asking. I mean, I know a lot of men say they got the supernatural power to heal. And they make you send them money and pay for it. They don't go to the hospitals and heal really sick people for free. So it just makes me suspicious of supernatural power. I'll just stick with the Bible. Now, anyway, here's, here's the Bible. Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. Daniel comes in and says, this is the dream. We will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings. For the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. Now, you see that? If God gave him his kingdom, then God's in charge. Even when Nebuchadnezzar is ruling from Babylon, God's in charge. You see that? That's, verse, that's chapter 2, verse 37. me looking at it like it's... Did I, give you, did I tell you? I didn't give you the verse? Okay, it's verse 37. You should have you known that. I, I thought everybody... You don't have Daniel 2 memorized? All right. All right, verse 37. He says, Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for... This is why. The God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. Now, this man's going to build a fiery furnace and throw people in it who don't worship idols. But God has allowed it... Because he's given man a chance to do his own thing. Who's in charge? God's in charge. He yields a portion of that uh, reign. Okay, so verse 38. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field, the fowls of the heaven, hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and doeth all things, as iron that breaketh all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet... <coughs> And toes, part of potter's clay, part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it uh, of the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with the miry clay. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the king shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall make of themselves the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. Okay, now, in, in five, six verses, here's what he did. The Bible students, the commentators, those that study history, they say the head of gold is Nebuchadnezzar, the great Babylonian empire. And they say then, then the next kingdom is the, the Assyrian kingdom and then 
the Medes and the Persians and then the Greeks and then the Roman Empire and, and they go down through these kingdoms. But, but think about this. These men and their armies and their money and their might literally ruled the world, some of them for centuries. And God gives the whole thing half a verse. Their armies, their finances, their advancements, their civilizations, their coliseums, their shipping, their industry, their weaponry. God gives them half a verse. One of me gave two verses. To you living under the oppression and dominion of one of those monarchs, big deal. I mean, a huge deal. I'm not making light of it. They might have imprisoned your family for generations. But to Almighty God who's eternal... It's half a verse. It didn't disrupt his operation. It didn't alter his course. It didn't change his plans. It didn't cause him one time to reconvene the councils of heaven and say, Oh my me, (laughs) what do we do now? God didn't flinch when the goose steppers moved into Poland. God didn't flinch when the atom bombs were developed in New Mexico and Tennessee. God didn't bat an eye when Mao Zedong took over. God didn't say, oh no, Obamacare. it's, It's just half a verse. And then we move on to what's important. Verse 44. In the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God, remember him? hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. Now this is why I don't, I, I don't watch, well you're in church, okay. This is why I don't record and watch later, phase the nation, meet the depressed, Cross whatever talk fire the view all the, because until you get some guy on there from the right wing side or the left wing side to quote those two verses and say here's how the thing in Libya ends here's how the thing in Syria ends here's how the thing in Iran ends here's how the thing in Korea ends here's how the thing in Washington DC ends until somebody goes to Daniel 2 verse 44 and 45 they don't know what they're talking about Because no matter what man does or doesn't do, no matter what one kingdom says or how another kingdom responds, as soon as he's ready, 
Jesus Christ is going to come back to this earth and put them all out of business forever. That's what it says. Now let me ask you something. Do you believe that prophecy will be fulfilled as surely as the ones about his birth were fulfilled? Do you believe that will be fulfilled as surely as the ones about his death, his burial, and his resurrection were fulfilled? I do. I do. And therefore, though I would like to continue living like an American in this generation, because I like my heat when it's cold, and I like my air conditioning when it's hot, and I like my water heater, I like my microwave, I like my toaster oven and my oven oven. I like all that stuff. I like going to the grocery store and seeing shelves filled with things that I don't need. I like knowing that I can eat what the experts say is bad for me and then take what the experts say will counter what was bad for me and live to be 90 years old no matter what I do. I like this. It's comfortable. But you know what? To say that if this came to an end, it would be the end of the world must sound really strange to people living in places that still don't have that stuff and will probably never have that stuff. Your country's better off after a tornado than most people are without ever seeing a tornado. You're better off the day after the hurricane comes through than most people in this world are who never see a hurricane. I don't like high gas prices, but we got gas to put in both our cars. I want you to know if you're living in North Korea or South Korea, it's going to come to a sudden end. I want you to know that whether you live in red China or blue China, it's coming to an end. I want you to know that whether you wave the stars and stripes or the flag of old Mexico, or you live in Texas and fly them both, it's coming to an end. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I try to be a safe driver, and I, well, what I consider to be a safe driver... But as I'm riding down the road, I often think, if Puerto Rico's so great, why are you here? And there's probably people in Puerto Rico who are glad to be there and not in Trinidad. And there's probably people in Trinidad who are glad to be there and not in Honduras. And there's probably people there who are glad to be in Honduras and not in Haiti. But you know what? Wherever you rank yourself on the economic scale of the world empires, it's all going to come to a sudden halt. And Jesus Christ is going to take this thing over. And whatever you have to eat, I'm sure it'll be sufficient. Whatever you have to wear, I'm sure it'll be appropriate. But this is what, this is what you're going to give up. You're going to have to live without murder. You're going to have to live without manslaughter. You're going to have to live without rape. 
You're going to have to live without pornography. You're going to have to live without drunk drivers. You're going to have to live without drug dealers. You're going to have to live without home invasion. You're going to have to live without kidnapping. You're going to have to live without mosques and pagodas and temples and shrines. And it's just going to be one God, one worship, peace on earth, goodwill to man, because... At last, there will be glory to God in the highest. Now, here's what you're going to hear for the next month. Because it's the most wonderful time of the year. You're going to hear that the season, the real meaning of the season, is peace on earth, goodwill to man. You know what the angel said when Jesus was born? Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill to man. And as long as you keep trying to establish peace on earth and goodwill to man without giving glory to God in the highest, you're just going to have to dig more graves and shed more tears. Because until you get this governor on the throne, you're not going to have what you want. So, our hope is Jesus Christ. Our hope is certain because the prophecies have never failed and they will not fail. And while we are disappointed with our government, everybody's disappointed with their government. And the next guy, you'll be disappointed with him. What if Hillary wins? Well, you'd be disappointed with him too. Uh, or, or her, too, or... What difference does it make? <laughs> That's what I'd do. I'd just run that. I wouldn't run any other ad. I'd just play that a thousand times a day. And say, you want to listen to that for four years? <laughs> Help yourself. <laughs> Ask Bill how long he could live with it. <laughs> so. Anyway... Are you getting in politics now? No, I'm telling you that there's something going to go on tomorrow for you to be afraid of. There's something going to happen tomorrow for you to be upset about. You know what Jesus said? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. The answer to this thing is Jesus Christ. He's coming. When he gets here, he'll get it all right. He's the governor. I'm okay with that. Now, one preacher, favorite preacher of mine when I was a young Christian, he'd pray, he'd pray that disciple's prayer and he would say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in this piece of earth as it is in heaven. I can't, I can't coax Jesus back down here to sit on the throne at Jerusalem and rule the earth. But I can yield to him the dominion of my heart, and of my mind, of my soul, and of my life. And if he is a governor fit to rule the whole universe, he is a governor fit to rule our lives. Let's quit, let's quit allowing the ever-changing reports of men to govern our thoughts. Let's allow the Lord Jesus Christ to govern our thoughts.
I've got a book in my library that warns that the Antichrist is on the scene. Here are the proofs from current world events. And the Antichrist is Kaiser Wilhelm. You don't even remember him. This is it. End of time. The Soviet Union is the fulfillment of, well, it's gone. We're still here. Pope John Paul II was the Antichrist. Here's all the documentary proof. You know, the best thing to do is just quit trying to figure out who the bad guy is and focus on the good guy. I mean, who, what difference make who the Antichrist is? We know the Lord's going to kick him in the head, throw him in the pit and take over the world. Why are we trying to identify the enemy when we've already identified the victor? Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Jesus Christ is the governor. That's all right with me. I vote for him every time. Amen. Father, thank you for this blessed, sure, certain hope. Lord, it'd be, it'd be a blessing if every one of our leaders understood that they only govern with your permission and that they should govern according to your will. But Lord, in the meantime, in the meantime, help us to be less occupied with what your opponents are doing and be satisfied to rejoice in what you are doing. Lord, deliver us from living in fear of tomorrow. When tomorrow is already written in the pages of the Bible, Jesus shall reign. Help us, Lord. Stay, stay locked in on that blessed and glorious truth. We ask in his precious and holy name. Amen. Amen.